Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Yes, hello. I'm Mark Child, Chairman and CEO of Condor Gold PLC. Uh, we're AIM and Toronto listed. And we have 2.4 million ounces of gold in Nicaragua. The project's uh, fully permitted to construct and operate a mine. Uh, we, and we're also looking to demonstrate a 5 million ounce gold district. Mark, lovely to have you on board. How are you, sir? Yeah, well, thanks. Good, good. Surviving. You're in London, aren't you? You're near me. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Very good. Hey, well, look, uh, there's a story that I have sort of dipped in and out of over the years, but I have never really sort of sat down and, and talked to anyone from the organization about it. So very pleased that you've come on our show. So thank you very much for that. Um, Nicaragua, there's a few few people who understand Nicaragua, a few people who don't. Do you want to sort of talk us through that as an investment jurisdiction or a mining jurisdiction? Uh, yes, uh, well, let's take both of those. Um, well, firstly, as a mining jurisdiction, um, it's the right address. Um, I've been operating there uh, for 15 years. I went 15 years ago. Um, I've been full-time CEO of the company now for 10 years, and I go about 25% of my time is actually in Nicaragua. And I'll be heading out there this weekend. So um, gold is the number one export last year for the country, which might surprise people. So when I first went there, it was about number seven or eight export. Um, there are five now commercial mines in the country. Um, and there's also an artisanal mining community. So the government's been permitting everything. Um, you can own 100%. So unlike a lot of Africa, where there's uh, 20, 30% free carried interest, you don't have that. So that helps your project economics. You get concessions for 25 years. So you've got an exploration and exploitation concession tied up in one for 25 years. Um, the government also helps out on certain issues when you're in mining. So there have been cases of some community challenges or land acquisition challenges. And the government's actually gone behind the scenes and worked with the company on those. It values the taxes and the exports and jobs that are created. So in terms of mining, it's it, it, it's the right address. Probably the best address, one of the best addresses in actually Mexico, South America, and certainly within Central America. And you've got to be very careful where you're going because some countries actually don't even allow mining in that part of the world. So, and, and, and it's a bit of a maze when you're looking from London out there to work out which countries you can, you should and shouldn't be investing in. So it's a good, it's a good question from that perspective. Okay, right. And, and so the, the, some of the bigger names, you've got Rio there, et cetera. Um, again, are they doing anything? Are they, these are producing mines. We're saying they're producing revenue for the country. It's the biggest export. So genuinely yes. no concern. From a, an address of actually mining and getting on with with it, fine. You then got politics, of course. Um, so, in in politics, let me just touch on that because the headline: we've got presidential elections again uh, this November. We have the president Ortega standing for a fourth term. Uh, that unfortunately uh, sends negative signals to people because um, there will be allegations and probably correctly so, of lack of free and fair elections. Uh, recently, there have been arrests of a few opposition people. So in terms of the political risk, um, uh, yes, there is a political risk in, associated with it. And you could argue that's why we're valued quite cheaply at the moment, and that's in the share price. Um, everybody knows it. The headlines are there. Uh, there are sanctions by the US against individuals within Nicaragua, i.e. the senior Santanista people in Nicaragua. 
Um, so though that 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 is that isn't a risk, but it's and, and in some ways the party there does control um, most organs of state, um, if you like, the military, the police, the judiciary. Um, there's not a free and fair press, uh, unfortunately. That having said that, that's also the case in China. The Communist Party of China uh, is a dictatorship, uh, and so, but it doesn't stop people actually doing business there uh, for many, many years, uh, and lots of foreign investment goes on. So, I think as long as you, within these uh, authoritarian regimes, as long as you understand what the rule book is, you can you can operate there. Um, it's not our job as uh, uh, a mining and exploration company, development company, to actually. Um, you know, we don't get to vote on. Uh, we're not there to vote on the politicians, if you like. We're there to run a business and to to, to look at the local law and can we operate there? And I believe we can, and so do half a dozen other foreign companies operate there quite successfully. Uh, the currency is fully convertible, so unlike, uh, so you can get your you can pay dividends, you can repatriate capital. Unlike, say, Argentina uh, and other other countries where there are foreign exchange controls and you can't repatriate capital. So that's an also an important thing to consider. I'm, I'm fascinated by the, the jurisdictional There's been a lot going on with, with, with regards to South American politics at the moment. We, we, we've, we've seen it in multiple countries, Mexico, Chile, we've seen it up in Peru recently, you know, elections yeah. create a narrative which is not conducive to international investment, it seems to me. Um, is it a case in Nicaragua of better the devil they know than maybe a, a, a more sort of socialist government coming in? I mean, what, what, how does the international investment community view Nicaragua in your view? Because at some point you're going to have to go to institutions and get investment and they're, they're talking all things green, all things ESG, and they've got to be, you know, everything's got to be, you know, tick box exercise. So what's that mean for you in the future? Well, in terms of all things green and all things ESG, it doesn't stop us doing all that. You know, we're proud to be London listed and Toronto listed, and uh, I provide the leadership and we'll do everything to the IFC performance standards equator principles. And we do huge amounts and we want to be a beacon for the way things should be done on the environmental and social. So we want to set a new standard as we have this mind public for construction and be an example, not just to Nicaragua, but to the, to, to the players in the region, that this is the way to do it. Uh, and we've just put in water projects. Uh, we, we have tree nurseries. Uh, we're spending $20,000 a month on the community. We just put a water project, a water project we put in for over $200,000. So it doesn't stop us. It's that's leadership from us and what we decide to do in the company from an ESG perspective. And actually in Nicaragua, they have a Ministry of the Environment. Um, and our, we have the environmental permits to construct and operate the mine. And they do 16 different technical studies. You you do what's called, a, you apply for an e, um, ESI, an Environmental Social Impact Assessment. Which, which then applies for the permit. And those technical studies cover all aspects of mining, half are technical like geotechnical water, but the other half are, are environmental. Um, in Nicaragua, they are producing 75% of the electricity is green electricity. It's, it's geothermal, wind, hydro. They don't have oil. So uh, it's one of the highest from that. So it's so environmental, that, that sort of can all continue. In terms of... The risk uh, appetite for foreign investors and institutions as, as we go into the construction phase and raise money for that in due course. Um, most in terms of the debt side, that tends to get secured against the asset, and we've got two point four billion dollars 
of gold, sorry, sorry, 2.4 million ounces of gold in the ground, so close to $4 billion in situ. And so the, the debt, whether it's private equity debt or bank debt or gold loans, tends to get secured on that. And then there are offtake agreements. So that's the same in the Congo and, and places where Mali, where you've had two coup d'etats in the last uh, 12 months, uh, it doesn't stop the financiers actually lending to this because gold is a $8 trillion currency, which you can secure against future revenue streams on. So, and I think it comes down to how does the economics look at the project itself? You know, how, what, are, what are the IRRs? What are the MPVs? What are the cash flows? What are your break even all in sustaining cash costs? Can you repay the debt? And so I think the financiers will look at that aspect first and foremost. And I think the riskier the country you get, you probably want to have a quick payback on that. You know, so you don't want to have a five-year payback on your capital. You want a 12-month or 18-month payback, which we'll be demonstrating when we update our studies in next month. Okay, I guess you've, 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 you've I guess partially addressed the point around around the politics and you know future investment in in the sense that um, yes, you know with the debt, you know sec- securing it against the asset or asset level is is fine. Perfecting security, if something goes wrong, that's a different matter in in, in different territories, right? So I guess I guess the pr- the proof will be in the pudding. You know, I say you know, can you get it financed? Are you going to have to pay some kind of punitive? Uh, coupon on that for it being Nicaragua, i.e. the cost of money just got more expensive for you. But that's a ways down the line. But I, I just wanted to say, that that's why I use the phrase, is it better the devil you know uh, for these in, these investors? Well, let's look at two examples. Macu Mining, uh, which is TSX listed, has just commissioned and first gold pour on a brand new mine in Nicaragua, and they did that two months ago. So there's been money there to finance that and build a mine of about 500 tons of debt. They should do 40 to 50,000 ounces of gold here because it's very high grade. In 2018, so two years ago now almost, uh, Caliber Mining acquired B2 Gold's assets for $100 million and they, they financed that via a straight equity placement, so no debt. So there's an example, or there's two examples, uh, one uh, of mines, one having just been built on the construction finance and operating and the other one with an acquisition despite the politics, if you like, or in spite of the politics. But but yes, it gets more expensive in terms of coupon. Yes, you'd, we'd expect uh, higher interest rates than if this was, say, sitting in Canada. Right. I, I just want to address the point because it's still talked about in chat rooms. Okay. So, so you know, like I said right at the outset, some people understand doing business in Nicaragua and some don't. They're a bit nervous about it. But you, yes. I think you've addressed you just that. Um, so, should we talk about the projects proper? Because I do want to sort of dig into the detail about what the plan is going forward. Because there's a lot of studies going on. There's, you know, you've got open pit, you've got potential of underground. I want to understand how that all comes together and when you make those decisions, like the route forward. So, can you talk through the, the 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 projects, please? Yes, certainly. Well, the strategy is to construct and operate the mine. Um, uh, the big signal on that is that this year we've actually bought the mill. So we bought a brand new sag mill. Of First Majestic Silver, we paid six and a half million dollars. Uh, we paid, we issued three million dollars of our paper for that at 50p, and the share price today is around 44, 45p. So it's like premium to where we are. And the balance we paid in cash. So, and that's the that mill is 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 a made by Metso Autotech. You might know they're in Finland, and they're, they're the Mercedes of the mill market, the crushing and grinding equipment. So that's a whole new package. So it's the motor, it's got a variable drive on it, you know, it's 24 foot in diameter, 17 and a half foot long, and that can process 2,300 tons a day. Now, half of that 
um, all items are coming into Nicaragua. They're all, they've all, we've instructed the shipment of everything. Uh, we've cleared about um, nine at the moment into the country, nine separate container parcels and packages, and we're in a warehouse. So that, that's a big signal to the government, you know, that it's, we've got the mill, we're serious. And we're doing the site clearance and site preparation. So we're really painting a path for the construction phase. Um, and ahead of that, we're also doing, a, we are, we're, we're going to release in uh, three to four weeks a PA, which will show different scenarios of what the project can do. Uh, and we'll show a total open pit scenario from four open pits. And then we'll show that plus underground. Um, and then we'll, on, on the main pit where we have reserves, and reserves are the economic part with all the geotechnical studies and the hydrology, we'll do an FS level or a bankable feasibility study on, on the main pit, which will finance the project. Now, in terms of numbers, out of the main pit, we'll produce uh, over 600,000 ounces of gold. Um, and on our PFS, it was 670 all in sustaining cash costs. So that's lower quartile globally. We've got a three grand pit. So it's very high grade and very economic. Back to the economics. And if we add the three, the four pits together, we'll produce about 900,000 ounces of gold. Um, and if we add the underground in, we've got another 1.2 million ounces of underground. So we can layer in those productions. So as we go forward, we'll do a two stage to ultimate production numbers. We'll do stage one, which will be a minimum capex, maximum cash flow, based high grading things, quick payback, based on the mill we've just purchased. So that, that's stage one. And then after a couple of years, we'll expand that. So we've appointed an engineering firm that's doing the FS level designs, and they should be with me this month, fully engineered, plus or minus. So I get a new capex number, because you'll probably say to me, what's your capex? And I'll say, well, I'll, I'll have a better idea by the end of the month when I, when I get the number. Um, but it'll be laid out so that we can double that capacity of, of, of the plant. Okay, so why has it taken so long to go from PEA, what, around 2014 through today, PEA again? What, what's happened during that period? That's a good question. We put in two, December 2014, we put a PEA, two PEAs out and a PFS. So and the PFS reserve was on the main land you're open pit. Um, gold, gold at that time um, was around about um, uh, 1400 and it dropped down significantly. So just to, your readers should bear in mind that gold peaked at $1,900 an ounce and it dropped 42%. So anybody watching this should say, do I want to be in gold? Because if you think gold's going to drop another 40%, the last thing you should do is buy Condor shares or any other gold mining. You know, all bets are off, everything. Gold price goes down 40%, the shares will probably go down double that across the whole sector. So that's one thing that happened. We entered a chronic bear market for our underlying metal, both gold and silver. We then in that period said, well, there's no point drilling this. We got 2.4 million ounces. We got reserves. It's economic. There's no point drilling this and getting it to three or four or five million ounces. You've got enough ounces. Prove it's economic. Uh, prove get it. Prove it's. Uh, can you get it permitted? Because ultimately, the real value is can you get it out of the ground? Back to your question about the address. There are many projects around the world that have got ounces and reserves, and PAs and PFSs that are never going to be a mine because they can't get a permit to extract it. And I don't think the market's given us credit for that. So we then went ahead with the permitting and the, these applications to the permitting. 
We put the first batch in in 2016 uh, to apply for the main pit to be permitted. And we had a setback. We were told by the government that we could resettle a nearby community because this is a former mine. It mined over half a million ounces of gold in the 1930s and the 1940s and 50s. It closed in 1956. So we were told we could resettle that old village, which is had 40% poverty in it and very, very poor community. We then ran into people not wanting to be resettled and our public hearing, we we ended up with a demonstration there. Uh, and so we had a setback. So I had to go back to the drawing board, redesigned everything uh, for no resettlement. So we, we shortened the pit by 20%. We lost 8% of the gold in the pit. We're putting a big berm of a barrier of five, 10 meters high between the pit and this community. Um, and we then reapplied for permits again, changed the senior management. So I got a mining engineer from the near, nearby uh, El Limon mine, it's an hour drive away, who's Nicaraguan. We absolutely emphasized on our social license to operate and lots of programs with the community, which we hadn't done enough on before. And then we got the main pit permitted in. Um, 2018 so uh, in, in in august or so 2018 um so so we had a setback linked in with 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 the permitting process uh, but we've corrected that and that's all sort of behind us now and in nicaragua when you put the permits in you can do all your technical studies then you take it to a community and you have 500 people attending in the local community and then they uh, or vote do they want the project or not so you've got to take the, the local community with you um, and that didn't work for us the first time so th that's one of the reasons why we have these delays uh, and since we got the permits we then permitted additional pits to make it bigger so we now have 1.12 million ounces permitted and the, the last permits came through last year um, and the permitting can take a couple of years and that's just part of the technical studies and the environment these 16 studies that go in and then the discussions with the so once you had those final permits, we're then doing the, the Western now, if you like, bankable feasibility study so that the banks can see, will lend or private equity or banks or gold loan companies will lend on that uh, study. And that, that, so that's, that's, that's what we're doing at the moment. Okay, I made reference to it earlier. I just want to understand what the plan is because from 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 the paperwork available, it, it's you're, you're keeping options on all options on the table at the moment. It seems to me, is that right? Well, we're, we're going to construct the mill at two thousand three hundred tons a day. So we built a mill. So we don't have flexibility on it. In other words, as of buying that mill, there is a hard line. We size the mill. It's not going to be 4,000 tons a day to begin with. We could do that on our PEA, on the bigger PEAs. We're adding an underground, but we're not. So we sized the mill at 2,300. And the capex will be around that. So if you'd like, we built this, bought a big sag mill. We now have to do the engineering to the, the primary crushes at the front. So everything before that and everything after it, the tanks and the gold. What's the cost of all that to make that work? And that's the study we're doing right now on fully engineering this. Uh, and that includes not just capex, but the designs to the FS uh, level. And so that's our, that, that's the strategy, and that that will produce about a hundred thousand ounces of gold a year. Right. Okay. What's the timing of making that decision? That decision's been made. No, but I meant in terms of you said, right? We we've got we've got we've got the mill, right? Yeah. We've got to, we've got to then finance the front end and the back end. 
Um, we've got to then feed that. You've got, you're talking about 2.4 million ounces. I mean, how does that 2.4 million yes. ounces break down in terms of feeding into the milk? Because, you know, these studies will be looking at the M&I component, not the inferred component. So yeah. that's what I mean. In terms of decision-making, you're still not quite yeah. there in terms of the numbers, are you? Well, we are. Um, so the 2.4 million ounces breaks down at 1.2 million open pitable and 1.2 million underground. We're not mining the underground. Of the 1.2 million open pitable, we've permitted three pits, which contain 1.12 million ounces, one or two small pits we haven't permitted, but we've done, we've got 90% of the open pit material is permitted to extract. Of that 1.12 million, you said measured and uh, 80% is in the indicated, the higher category if your readers indicated and about 20% of it doesn't mean to say, but we permitted them even though 20% is in the lower category. The government doesn't separate out and say you can only take out higher drill spacing material. So, so all that is permitted. And also the mine site infrastructure is permitted. So the tailing storage facility is permitted, the plants permitted, the water is permitted, the power is permitted, all the roads and everything else are permitted. So we have a fully permitted mine uh, on the project and we've sized the mill to produce 100,000 ounces of gold a year from those three pits. But then the question comes, how are you going to finance that? And we finance it off the main pit. So the land you open pit has uh, 80% of those, open, those permitted ounces. Right. So it's got 80% of 1.12 million ounces on the open yes, pitable component. That's right. right. And you think that's going to be enough to get you, because that's where it's going with this. Is right. How do you get it financed? Yeah. Because you're talking about 2.4 million ounces, but 1.2 of that's underground. And you, you know, you've got a bit of work right. to do on that. Right. And is that all inferred? Yes, is that all inferred? Absolutely. Or it's about three quarters inferred, right? The underground, correct. And uh, that's right. The, the underground, we haven't drilled out. It's very expensive to drill out underground because it's basically there's a million ounces beneath the pit. So it's much deeper drilling. And we'll do that at a cash flow once we're in production. Right. So the bit I want to hone in on is the bit that gets you finance, which is it's open pit, which is good. It's, what was it, 3.3 grams, which is good. Um, and 80% of that 1.12 is what you can get financed on, which is enough to get you financed. So that's, that's what I'm hearing. Yes. Brilliant. Yes. Fantastic. So I don't need to worry about you getting this. Well, I, th I think the banks will actually do better than that. I think what will happen is we will give them full mine schedules, right. and quarterly mine schedules, uh, which we're doing right now, and which are, which are very advanced at this stage. And they'll look at that and say, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll give you all the indicated, the 80% that's indicated within those pits. Uh, we'll say that's there for sure. And the other bit that's there, we know that's going to be there. We might have to do a bit more drilling. Uh, but but it, there's a probability matrix around it. They're not going to give us not. They're not going to give us nothing for that extra twenty. Exactly. Well, the, um, it's where it's going. Which is like, where's have you got enough money to do that infill drilling to bring that twenty percent into the M and I? Yeah, the the project gets financed even without that because economics are so strong. Okay, so so uh, we've just completed three thousand seven hundred meters um, of drilling, and there'll be an announcement on the final drill results in the, uh, very shortly uh, in, in land your open pit. So the main land your open pit, which I've discussed, which is which is a project maker, is 900,000 ounces uh, on, our, on our last number. And we, we've, we're high grading that. So we're taking the highest 10% near the surface, um, which works out at basically 60,000 ounces at a higher grade, about 4.2 grams. 
So we've just drilled that with three and, and around it for 3,700 meters and had some fantastic drill results. So that's now shovel ready. So that's ready. That's the last uh, drilling uh, that we need to do ahead of extracting it. And that gives you your first six months mill feed, basically. Right. So high grading can be a good thing or a bad thing in, in terms of the, over the life of mine. So you're getting the good stuff early and getting some cash flowing early, which is good. Yes. But later on, it has an impact on the grade, right? So uh, how much of Sorry. that for, is going to be at 4.2? What's the number of ounces? It'll be less than 10%. So, well, on okay. our numbers, we have uh, about 445,000 tons at 4.2 grams for 60,000 ounces of the main pit. So it's less than 10% of the main pit. And of course, what we do is, you know, we're, we're businessmen, you 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 want quick payback and you put the higher grade through earlier to pay back the loans and the bankers are happy. And back to my point about Nicaragua, we it's much more attractive if we can pay off the loan in 12 months. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we should do that. I mean, it costs the same to process us an ounce, whether you're putting through, uh, now bear, just bear in mind, you know, a gram of gold is $60. We talk grams per ton. So three grams is $180. Uh, four grams is $240. We're $260 a ton. And it costs the same to move that ton and process it, whether whether it's a, whether the gold in there is worth $100 a ton or whether the gold in there is worth $260 a ton. The price is the same. So, of course, you're going to put the higher grade through early um, to pay back your debt. Okay, you mentioned sense. you mentioned a number. You mentioned the ASIC uh, earlier on. Obviously, there have been previous PA, PEA, and, and even a PFS. You know, one is what you, what you um, you know what might be there, and the, the PFS is what should be there. But how much met work has been done? What do you understand about the recovery rates, dilution, yeah. all of the above, to be able to say I've got some degree of certainty that this thing's going to be c- circa seven hundred bucks ASIC. Yeah, the ASIC is. Um PFS level ASIC, which is good. We've subsequent to that, and that's 2014. So it's reserve level. We've since then done uh, different MET tests, particularly hardness of the rock, which is the BWI index and the abrasion indices. We currently have a thousand kilos of rock sitting uh, of core, cold core, if you like, drill core, sitting in a lab in Canada uh, near Toronto with SGS Lakefields. And that takes us up to an FS level metallurgy. So that that that's the standard of MET that's required for the banks to lend you money. Those lab results are due at the end of this month. We're 91% metallurgical recovery. And, what, and we're getting weekly reports, actually I have one this morning from the lab saying we're doing this, this, this. There are no negative surprises. The other thing that you can look at is a historic mine. They actually managed to get the gold out of the host rock for 15 years and produce half a million ounces of gold. So metallurgy is not a problem, but it's a good question because one of the fatal flaws in mining can be if it's refractory or if it, how complicated is it to get the gold out of the host rock. This is dead easy. It's a standard crushing grinding CIL plant. Right. Okay. So we're open pit. What happens with the underground component? Because you, you, you know, you were keen to bundle that in to the, to the two point four number there, but the reality is the work hasn't been done yet. It is more expensive, and because it, it's underground, um, when do you start allocating capital to that? Or is that not for now? Let's get this thing up and running, get some revenue going, and then we'll come back to that at some point. When do you make your mind about what how you come at this project? We spend our money um, 
doing a minimum capex maximum cash flow to get this up and running and having cash flow and use the three permitted pits to do it and we don't attack the underground until we're in production okay makes sense so 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 it has it has a value um, and what we'll do in three weeks time is we'll put out a PAB, if you like, that says, what is the, uh, what could this do if we added the underground in from day one, just, just so that our shareholders of the market could say, answer that question. You know, if, if money wasn't a problem and you could, you could, you could throw it at the project uh, and we could raise it, what could it do? And the answer to that is it'll be near 107. You could add, add in probably 50, 60,000 ounces of gold a year from underground. And we're doing that study right now. We're updating that. Okay. Yeah, I, th- I think it's always important for people watching. It's like, right, a PA is what the company's saying. This, this is what it might be. Um, you know, PFS is what it should be, and the feasibility stuff is what, what it will be. Right. So th- those are the way I think about it. So, you, okay, I understand how you're allocating your capital um, now. H- how much cash have you got today? Remind me. We just put our interims out. We have about three million sterling. Right. So you're, what does that take you through to? You're going to be out talking to the market now and saying we're a bit closer to we'll need, production. We'll, we'll, Give yes, us some money. We'll, exactly. We'll, we'll need to have a financing before the end of the year. I don't want to put a timing on it, obviously. Uh, but yes, we will need to come to the market before the end of the year. Right. Okay. Uh, gold markets come off a bit in the last three months. Doesn't really help the conversation. Um, I think your, chart, your share chart's done pretty much what most, most companies have done. Uh, recently, so you're going to have to time that, right? Uh, yes, we will. We've got strong shareholders. We should just say that we have um, the directors have 22 percent of the company. That's, that's Jim Mellon and myself, and not many people have at this level of a 60 million pound company where the directors have got significant skin in the game. So we do concern ourselves with dilution and creating shareholder value because we're the shareholders, and everyone's taking a backing us and having a ride with us. So. And we've got a lot of contacts, a lot of friends in as well who supported us over the last uh, 10 years. Um, so we're very mindful about trying to create shareholder value. And I don't say that glibly. Uh, all, but I bought 4.2 million shares all in the market over 15 years. I haven't had any pre-carried interest on this. Um, you know, everything has been purchased uh, in, in the stock market over a long period. Uh, so I'm totally motivated to, to, to create the value for the shareholders, um, obviously myself amongst them. Uh, firstly and foremost, and so yes, we we will have to go to the market. We're, and you know, the, the the directors on the next financing will be supportive of the financing. We'll put our money where our mouth is again. You can, you, yeah, you should because if I look back from when you joined, you know, ten years ago, right, two thousand and eleven, yeah, and then you kind of really yeah. you really hit quite a dodgy period for gold. Obviously, I think two thousand twelve yeah. thirteen, it really dropped off, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah. But, but you know, the share chart doesn't look pretty. You got a bunch of catching up to do because you've had the comfort of being paid, That's right. right? You've had the comfort of having a salary. Your shareholders have been on this on this ride. So the the the, the catching up. Are we near this point where you can actually start delivering? this value the company is going to start producing you are going to get back up to the dizzy heights of where you were 10 years ago is that is that the plan the i've taken the view that you create the value within the company and the share price should take care of itself and as a former banker which you said you were and an investor that's the way to run it i could sit here pumping the share price and uh giving false dawns and whatever that doesn't do me any good or the company any credibility so I think the value creation on this has been getting permits. Now, the market might not have recognized that, but you know, 
a project's worth sod all if it hasn't got a permit and you can't get the gold out, okay? As, as go and look at half a dozen projects in Canada, let alone a frontier market like Nicaragua. We have had political risk, and that's just a frontier market thing, which I accepted when I invested in the company, and other people should too. You, you're told one thing by the government, the resettlement's going to be easy, and the next thing you might have uh, people objecting because they're financial opportunists, and they even if you give them a new house and um, new electricity and new uh, double the size of everything and give them a much better side, they might not want it. So they actually want to, the local people actually want to live by the mine because it's their mine, their grandfathers are in it and they got the jobs off the mine. If they move out, somebody else moves in and gets the jobs near the mine. This is what happens in a country where the per capita GDP is the lowest in South America. It's $1,912 per capita GDP. The entire GDP of Nicaragua is $13 billion. It, it, it's, it, you know, it's, it is a low per capita base. So you're dealing with a risk. And we, we had a two-year setback with that permitting. 2018, the politics, as you, as you know, there were 320 people killed in Nicaragua, tragically. There were 57 students shot over a five-day weekend. Well, that sets you back. And you know, our share price has doubled, I would say, from 18 months ago. We did a, a financing last year. Uh, at 22p, and so we're, we're, we're double that. So it's not all doom and gloom, um, uh, but but it's but it but it you know it's tough. I would say the project operationally has never been in better condition. So we bought all the land, and we spent over four million dollars buying all the land. Uh, you can't build a project without having the surface rights. We've had to buy land off over sixty landowners. We've had a very good team of four lawyers working on that. And, so that's, that's all that's completed now. The land problem's it's, gone away. It's about 90, 97% of the land's purchased. The rest of it, we have prices from five other five landowners who are holding out, and you know, we know their price. Uh, if we wanted to, we could settle it tomorrow, but we don't want to. We want to, we don't like overpaying for things where so you know, but we'll get the land. The land is a, a non-issue, uh, it's a non-risk for us. And we've been running the company for 12 months as if we have hundred percent of the land. Okay. Okay. Well, that, that, I guess that's that's good news. Um, and so, we do know the sort of quantum that you're going to need to raise. Like, it's obviously to cover the capex, a bit of GNA, uh, and a bit of I don't I don't know leeway if things go wrong. I think we will we will raise before the end of the year, or over the next three to four months, we will raise some money. The FS study is not going to be out. It'll be out maybe around the end of the year or six months. And uh, so so I'm, in terms of the bank debt, we have to wait for that to actually happen um, before we can say, here's our document, here's the plus or minus 50% CapEx, and here's the FS. We can't raise money. The construction financing. So I see, to answer your question, I see the financing in two stages. Right, One, one element uh, which will sort of... Uh, timing-wise, sees us through for the FS and the finalization of that and beyond and some headroom. And then the main construction financing is is uh, more likely to uh, is more likely to be next year. Right, okay. Small amount this year, tidy over until FS, puts in the position to have yes. discussions. And, and therefore, okay, coming back to my point about you've got to time this right, you know, potentially gold is doing something a bit more than it's doing at the moment. I mean, you've got to have a long-term view on, well, on gold. Well, I think you? the project economic, the project, the project economics, I think, are going to drive it. So we will be putting out again uh, 
PEAs are get, uh, updating it because the last time we did a PEA was at 12.50 gold price. We can legitimately do them at 15.50 now to bring it up and we can do it on permanent projects. And the projects changed materially in the way we redesigned everything. But I think if you, if, when, when, you, when people look at those numbers coming out, it'll be, it'll be highly attractive, the project. Um, from an MPV perspective. And there's two ways to value these companies, you should know, a discount to MPV uh, and uh, ounces in the ground. Well, we, we're probably a bit of a combination because we, we're fully permitted and we've got a mill and we're clearing site and we've got all the land and we've got all the permits. Um, this is turning into a absolutely shovel-ready project. And you could probably look at, there's probably eight to 10 projects around the world that have got these grades that are fully permitted are almost completely de-risked at an operational level. There's nothing to stop this happening from an engineering perspective. So we don't have any fatal flaws in water, um, metallurgy you mentioned, geotechnical you mentioned. Nothing to stop this actually being built from an engineering perspective. Uh, where there are fatal flaws in other projects, the Met's wrong. There's no water. <laughs> you know. So so we we, we it, and that because that creates great value, I think, uh, by having something. Uh, completely de-risked from a, from a construction and operation perspective. Yeah, it, it's it's getting to the. Sh and I, I use a phrase you used in the PowerPoint, which I was like, "Oh, is that right?" Which is shovel ready, and it's like you're moving towards yeah. being shovel ready. I think the feasibility study will yeah. perhaps more readily allow you to use that phrase comfortably. Um, okay, so this this story this story is is. Well, it's a short, short run, um, uh, runway, short time frame to actually being able to start having conversations with banks, or are you, or are you trying to get ahead of the curve there as well? Yes, um, we're talking with banks at the moment. Um, banks do take a long time to make their minds up, and they want site visits and so on. So, we 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 have spoken to to a number of banks. Right, and they're saying they're saying what to you? See you around the feasibility study stage, or are they going? Uh, actually, we can get comfortable with lots of the moving parts, political risk. Um, you know, we can use the PA gives us a sense of what this is about. We're, we'd be interested to talk to you, or, or is it? Just well, the PFS doesn't be, the, P, the, P, the PFS doesn't become obsolete instantly. So we have reserves, and we have a reserve number there, but we're just trying to update everything on what we know. The other aspect is that since the PEA. We, we found another open pit, so that's changed materially. Uh, don't forget, we're not selling a village, so you haven't got that capex. We bought the mill, so you're minus that capex. We bought $4 million worth of land, so you're minus that upfront cost. We've moved the plant 1.2 kilometers away. We've eliminated the south waste dump. We've changed a road that we're going to relocate and a power line. So in terms of materiality, under because we're Canadian listed, we, we, we're at a point where the project's changed quite a bit. And so we need under the regulations to actually update the project for the current state of knowledge because a lot's happened in the last six and a half years. How, how do you grow so, this thing? Because you know, 1.12 million answers yeah. is the bare minimum, right? I know you've got the underground and you can, you can move to that, but in terms of the open pit portion, how much exploration drilling is going? Oh, you're going to be doing some infill drilling, but are you going to be also be looking at some exploration drilling to increase the size of the resource uh, 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 with, with the open pit component? We spent the, the eighty percent of the money is going on the strategy to construct and operate the mine because that, that's capital intensive. The other part of the strategy is to demonstrate a five million ounce district. So we have uh, we've completed about three thousand six hundred meters on the cacao vein because. 
this system is, when we say 2.4 million ounces, it's not just sitting in one place. There are seven different deposits. And all of those can be expanded either by drilling down the ore chutes. So to give you an idea, under the three permitted pits, we can, just in that area, we think we can add 900,000 ounces. Why haven't we done it so far? Well, some of it's deep. It's underneath the underground, which is beneath the pit. So it's it's expensive to go and drill 400 meters down. So, but but is it there? Yes, it's all open. So could we pull the underground mine plans down by another 100 or 200 meters? There's every possibility, but we've got to, we've got to, the only way you'll really know is to, is to drill it and see if the results come back. So the, we, the, we've got plans to develop this. The, we've doubled the land package as well in the last seven years on the project. So we, we're up to 580 square kilometers of all adjacent and contiguous concessions. We've got two major regional faults. So we've flown in helicopter borne geo surveys. We've done soil sampling over 300 square kilometers. We've got uh, structural geological models. Uh, we've walked it with, there's over 110 kilometers of veining on the surface because these are, it's an epithermal vein system. So you, that's where the gold's coming through the cracks and the faults and the gold comes through that. And so point being on that is uh, it looks like a very, very big gold district. Um, the cacao, we have a resource there of 60,000 ounces. We've just drilled and come back with the opening. So what you're looking for on the exploration side is the structure uh, is a wide opening. And that was 15 meters at four grams. Um, so that's a success. Just that one hole is enough to justify that drilling on cacao. And it looks like it's a buried deposit of another half a million to a million ounces. Um, so we're just trying to show that. And then we're trying to demonstrate the strike length of that's about 3,000 meters. So is that the next land year thing? Well, on land year, we have 1.3 million ounces. Is this another one? Because that changes the project if you can find the next land year vein. But that's the point. That's so what I want. That's what I absolutely. That's what I want to get to because you know the the, yeah. the underground component down towards the the, the south east is a different animal from the open pit stuff mm -hmm. up, you know, to, to obviously yes. to the west and northwest of that. So what are the quick wins? You talk about being able to add another 900,000 ounces. What's the cost of doing it? What's the timing of that? Because you're going and talking to the market about a 2 million ounce project, yeah. a 2 million ounce project is significantly more interesting than talking about the potential of a 5 million ounce district at some point, sometime in the future. Yeah, we've got 2.4 million, as you say, at the moment. I don't think we'll be adding lots of open pit ounces. But, but you don't know. But let's be clear. I want to be, readily. I want to be clear. I want to be clear. We've got 1.12 open pit, the majority, 80% of that, which is in the MNI in the category, and you've got 1.2 million underground, which is yeah. two, three quarters inferred. So there's a quarter, 25% of it is, is measured and indicated. I'm trying to get to, I want you to show me genuinely what, what's the quick win to get to. 2 million of M&I, because that is where banks get really interested and the funding gets a little bit easier and it gets a little bit cheaper too. We're not, we're not, we're not planning to do that in the short term over the next two years. So okay. it might be what you think. That's not what we're going to do. Okay. You're going to focus so, on producing what cash. Gonna, what, we're, what precisely? We like cash. Uh, and so we have fully diluted mill feed and there's a slide on the presentation which you would have read. Out of those three fully permitted pits, of 8.5 million tons. Now, if we do a million tons a year, okay, million tons a year, that's an eight-year mine life. Very simple. And that's, there you are. There's your 100,000 ounces of gold a year, just, just out of that. 
Well, 100,000 ounces of gold a year, at 1,700 golds, $170 million. It's not to be sneezed at. If that's 700 all, all in sustaining, you've got $100 million of free cash flow a year. So that's not to be sniffed at. Uh, do the banks want to lend on double that? Because that's what you're saying. Take your measured and indicated and double it. Uh, I think it's a very good project on what it is. And once we have that kind of cash flow coming out in the first couple of years, that's the time to go and double your measure and indicate and let the banks get excited about that. I'm not running this for the banks. I'm running it for the shareholders. And, and you, you can look at companies like K92 Mining. Results are out today, $1.7 billion market cap, Q2 production, 25,000 ounces. That's what we can do. And that's an epithermal vein system. So we don't, it doesn't have to be, this, this Canadian psychology, if I could put it, I'll blame it on them and the bankers, that we've actually got to make this a 250,000 ounce producer day one or 200. Uh, yeah, well, good luck to them. But you know, in frontier markets like Nicaragua, I would, I would say, why? Who wants to put up a four hundred million dollar project there? Because that will be your capex on that size. Will they even lend it? You're, you're better off putting up something for a hundred million, getting going, prove you can build it, prove you can operate it, and then double that production to your two hundred thousand in year three. That is really the strategy that creates the value without diluting the hell out of the shareholders, of which we direct as own 22%. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.